Thank you, Miss Nancy. Good morning, First Baptist Church. It's good to see you this morning. I'm happy to be back with you after seven or eight months. It's been seven or eight months since I was with you, I guess, last summer for a couple of months, and I have missed you. Several things I've noticed have changed. One, to, uh, this morning we're running the heat, not the air conditioner. Second, everybody's wearing name tags. So we want to know your name. Third, everybody's wearing green. And four, Tommy has hair. <laughs> and let me tell you, folks, it came back with a vengeance, didn't it? <laughs> I mean, it is breaking out everywhere. I'm so excited to be back with you this morning preaching. Your pastor, Pastor Brian, I've met him, met with him. Fine fellow. I'm excited for him and for your church. He gave me two conditions to be able to come back and fill the pulpit for him this morning. Condition number one is I'll not preach so long, so we got to get started. And condition two is I can't remember what condition two was. Oh, <laughs> Tommy came back to me. You're growing hair. I'm losing brain cells. I need to stick with the story. Brian said, you can come, but you need to stick with the story so I can do that. So from this table, oh, that's a fifth thing that's different. We got rid of the pulpit. I feel like I need to order a drink or something. Could somebody get <laughs> And so I'm, <laughs> I'm just playing around, folks. It's all right to laugh this early in the morning. We'll have a good time this morning. So from this table... I'm going to open my Bible, and I want you to open your Bible if you brought a copy of God's Word, and I hope you did this morning. To the Older Covenant, to the Old Testament, I want you to open the book of 1 Samuel. Put your finger in your eyeball on chapter 15, the last part of chapter 15, 1 Samuel chapter 15. If you brought a copy of the story, we're looking at chapter 10 on page 129. The title of the chapter is Standing Tall, Falling Hard. Standing Tall, Falling Hard. I want to call it, Be Careful What You Wish For. Be Careful What You Wish For. 1 Samuel chapter 15, sadder, more tragic words are not spoken anywhere. In this 15 chapter section of 1 Samuel that we cover today, in our section of the story, for this week. Sad, sad, sad words. Perhaps the saddest words in the Older Testament. Look at verse 11. There the Lord says, I regret that I have made Saul king. God says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've made Saul king. For he has turned back from following me and he has not carried out my commandments. Now slide down to verse 26. Verse 26, Samuel says to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. And the last sentence of the last verse of chapter 15 verse 35 the Bible says and the Lord regretted mark these words gang sad sad words the Bible says the Lord 
regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. The saddest words in golf, Elwin, are, you're still away. You're still away. And the saddest words for a king and his kingdom are, you have been rejected. Saul, who had risen in splendor, head and shoulders over all of the rest of Israel. If you read your chapter, you know that. Taller, standing tall. Taller than any other man in Israel. Handsome, wealthy, goes down with a splat. Falls hard. Saul's flaws were character flaws and his mistakes were leadership mistakes. And the lessons of this section of the story are leadership lessons. The kinds of leaders to emulate, leaders like Samuel, and the kinds of leaders to eliminate, leaders like Saul. What kind of leader are you? I want everybody to take the leadership test this morning. I'm going to talk about leadership. I'm going to talk about leaders. And your mind is going to go to some other leader. You're going to think about the leader in the White House or the leader in the courthouse or the leader in the state house or the leader in the schoolhouse or the leader in the field house or the leader in the church house or the leader in the outhouse. I want you to think about the leader in your house and I'm going to think about the leader in my house. Are you a Samuel leader? Tommy, are you a Samuel leader? Or are you a Saul leader? If you read your chapter for this week, you know that Samuel was Israel's last judge. Saul was Israel's first king. And the Bible says, the first shall be last. And if you're a Saul leader, you're going to end up last. You're going to go down hard. But if you're a Samuel leader, the last shall be first, and you're going to be a great. Uh, for, uh, you're going to be a first. Mark it down, bold and quick and straight and true. This morning, First Baptist and her special guest. If you want to be a great leader, stay away from Saul. But if you want to be a great leader, man, woman, boy, or girl, run toward Samuel. Last week, your pastor told you that you may be ordinary, but you can be extraordinary. How? If you move toward someone else in need, like Ruth did. This week, I'm telling you, listen, listen, listen. I'm telling you, you ordinary, extraordinary people can and should be leaders when we step toward others in love. And that's who leaders are. People who step toward others in love. We're called to be leaders. Hear this. Everybody hear this. All hands on deck. We're called to be leaders. All of us. And since we're called to be leaders, we ought to endeavor to be great ones. Like Samuel, not like Saul. You don't have to be president of the company to be a great leader. 
or president of the team or president of the WMU or the deacon board or the church or the scout troop or your team or the good old US of A. Those are just titles, folks. Those are just cosmetic. You ought to be leading the way to Jesus. You ought to be leading the way to growth in Jesus. You ought to be leading other people to Jesus. You can and ought to be a leader. And when you do it like Samuel, you're going to be a winning leader. But when you do it like Saul, you're going to go down, down, dooby-doo, down, down. So this morning, take the leadership test. Oh, folks, listen to me. There's no greater need in America today than for some good leadership. In, huh? I mean, at no, listen to me, at no other time in our nation's history have we had such a void of leadership. Such a void of leadership in the White House, in the State House, in the Courthouse, in the Schoolhouse, in the Church House, from politics to religion to business. Where are the great leaders? Men and women who will stand for God and men and women who will lead based on character, not cosmetics. I'm saying to you, First Baptist Center, a special guest, it is character-based leadership that we need today. Character-based leadership, not leadership based on titles and money and wealth and position, and name. Now what you've got in 1 Samuel, chapters 1 through 15, our section of the story for today, is a comparative analysis of the life and leadership of a man named Samuel. His name means name of God. Samuel means name of God, and that of a man named Saul, his name meant asked for. Asked for. The people of Israel asked for a king like all the other kings of all the other nations. Wicked pagan kings, and that's what they got. They got exactly what they asked for. So I'm saying to you this morning, be careful what you wish for. Be careful what you ask for. Now which leader are you more like? Are you more like Samuel, standing tall? Or are you more like Saul, falling hard? Here's what I want us to do. If you're taking notes this morning, and I hope you are, you'll remember things and be able to apply them to your life a whole lot easier if you take notes on what you hear. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to draw a center line down your page and in the left-hand column, I want you to write Samuel's name. And in the right-hand column, I want you to write Saul's name. And I'm going to give you some one-word, easy to remember, easy to understand characteristics about these two lives and their leadership. And you put a little check mark by the one in each column, by each characteristic that I give you, that you're more like. Everybody got it? Say got it. Good. See, it's not that hard. Good leadership. Put a check by the one you most closely resemble. Number one, Samuel's leadership was compassionate leadership, but Saul's was cruel. 
So put Samuel on the left side, compassionate. Put Saul on the right side, cruel. Cruel. Sometimes the teenagers say it. Cruel, man, cruel. <laughs> that is cruel. Samuel, the last judge led for God's glory, and listen to me, always for the welfare of the people he served. Born to a woman named Hannah after she prayed for a son and dedicated to the Lord at an early age, Samuel's life was hemmed in by prayer and it did not easily unravel. He was a child of prayer. He brought victory to his people through prayer. When his people clamored for a king, like all the other nations, Samuel prayed. He even prayed for Saul after Saul's failures. Now Samuel was a prophet and he founded the schools for prophets, preacher boys in Israel. Thus, he was the first to found an educational system in Israel. Samuel loved his people and always had a word from God for them. Jot it down this morning, folks. Not so Saul. Not so Saul. Saul was cruel and his leadership was cruel. Turn to the person on your right and sing Elvis Presley to him right now. Don't be cruel. Don't be cruel, dads. Don't be cruel. To a heart, that's true. Samuel warned the people that a king who was cruel would cause them to call out for help from God. Jot this down in your margin. Chapter 8, 1 Samuel chapter 8, Samuel warns the people, you don't know what you're asking for. Samuel warns them, you get a king like Saul, and here's what he's going to do. And Samuel says seven times in eight verses, Samuel uses the words, he will take. And he will take for himself. Bad leaders, gang, are takers, not givers. They use people instead of serving people. Bad leaders view people as pawns on a chessboard rather than people created in the image of God. They dominate rather than equip. They intimidate rather than empower. When Saul and his army faced a big battle against the Philistines, Saul gave his men a stupid, foolish, heartless, legalistic order not to eat anything before the battle. Can you imagine that? His men are going out into the hardest battle of their lives. I mean, it's Duke, Carolina. And you can't have a pregame meal. You can't have a pregame meal. You know how much energy we're going to exert in this battle, and you can't eat for a day. Saul told his own men, enter the battle on an empty stomach. No fuel in the tank. Saul's son, Jonathan, did not hear the foolish order. And he ate some honey from the forest floor. You know what Saul did? Saul ordered his own son to be killed. Read about it. 1 Samuel chapter 8. Only the intercession of the people saved Jonathan's life. 
1 Samuel chapter 14, listen, listen, dads, don't be cruel. Moms, coaches, managers, teachers, preachers, plumbers, principals, presidents, learn the lesson from Elvis Presley's music. Don't be cruel. Don't demand that your kids make bricks out of straw. Don't be harsh around the home. Don't be embittered. Deal with your anger issues as a leader. Don't be harsh. Samuel, compassionate, leading for the welfare of his people and the glory of God. Saul, cruel, harsh, foolish, legalistic, demanding, embittered. What kind of leader are you? Dad, what kind of leader are you? Second, not only was Samuel's leadership compassionate, while Saul's leadership was cruel, but second, Samuel's leadership was contributive, contributive, and Saul's leadership was consumptive, consumptive. Samuel was in it for God and others. Saul was in it for himself. Samuel was others consumed, and Saul was self-consumed. Samuel was a need meter, Saul was a narcissist before any psychobabalist ever created that word. Saul, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 19, says, Thus Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his work fail. Folks, let me tell you something. Samuel was a hardworking, long-praying, people-serving, circuit-riding preacher. And 1 Samuel 7, 16 says he went from Bethel to Gilgal to Mizpah and he judged Israel in all those places. And in Samuel's warnings about the coming cruel and consumptive king that I referenced earlier, Samuel says that Saul will take for himself. Chapter 8, verses 10 through 18. He will take for himself, you listen, he will take for himself your sons, your commanders, your daughters, a tenth of your seed, your male and female servants, a tenth of your land, and a tenth of your flocks. And on and on and on. He will take. He will take. He will take. With Samuel, it was all about God. And the people, his leadership was. With Samuel, it was all about Tommy somebody else. He was others consumed. But with Saul, it was all about Saul. He was self-consumed. He's what the psychobabalists would call self-absorbed. All absorbed with himself in chapter 15 Saul is commanded by God 
listen to this story. I mean, folks, this is a honker. Chapter 15, Saul is commanded by God to destroy the Amalekites. God commanded Saul to totally annihilate them, go into their camp and totally destroy them, capture them and kill them all. Kill them all, wipe them out and kill all of the livestock. Just totally devastate the whole camp. Kill everything in the camp, all the people and the livestock. Most Bible scholars believe that the Amalekites, Israel's arch enemy along with the Philistines, were the original Middle Eastern terrorists. Terrorists, godless, pagan, enemies of Israel. And God said, Saul, I want you to go into the camp and wipe them out. And Saul did halfway. Halfway. Saul did it halfway, gang. Are you a halfway obedient person? Are you a partially obedient person? But partial obedience is disobedience. He captures and kills them, but not all of them. He spares their king, a guy named Agag. Agag, I mean, gag me, folks, gag me. But he spares the king, a fellow named Agag, and he spares the choicest of their sheep and their goats and their cattle. Now, he destroys all the blemished ones, but he keeps the good livestock, the Bible says, and I quote, for himself. For himself. Saul was a consumptive leader. And then when Samuel comes and asks Saul about his disobedience, <laughs> listen to me, it's just a sound. You know what Saul does? Saul lies to him and blames others for his mistakes. It was my men's fault. And then he poses, he religiously and spiritually poses and tells Samuel he planned to use these livestock for offering purposes. And then in chapter 15, verse 12, it tells us that Saul then set up a monument there to himself. Saul, right there in the camp of the Amalekites, set up a statue to himself. <laughs> I'm sorry, folks. I so want to say something here about the Trump Tower, but I'm not going to do it. So funny. And I'm not talking about presidential politics, all right. He set up a monument to himself. Saul was a poser, folks. He was a fake. He was a consumer. He was self-consumed, self-absorbed. He led for himself, not for the Lord and not for the people. Rick Warren, in his excellent book, The Purpose Driven Life, starts the, ver uh, the, the book, first chapter, first line, on the very first page with these words, it's not about you. Turn to your neighbor this morning and say to him, it's not about you. 
Sometimes I know you kids want to say to your dads, Dad, come on, it's not about you. Or moms or coaches. I know some coaches coach this whole thing. I mean, it ain't about you. Folks, your leadership is not about you. Your parenting, parents, you're called to be a leader, but your parenting is not about you. Your company is not about you. Your success is not about you. Listen, if you're all wrapped up in yourself, you're going to make a mighty small package. If you are self-consumed, resign your leadership. You're not fit for leadership. It's not about you. Third, and we're finished. Saul's leadership was consumptive. Samuel's leadership was contributive. Saul's leadership was cruel. Samuel's leadership was compassionate. And then write this down. Samuel's leadership was courageous. Caleb, write that down. You won't remember it. It was courageous. Saul's leadership was cowardly. Cowardly. He was a coward. Samuel was unafraid to anoint Saul king. He prayed first, then he did it. God said, okay, give the people what they want. Give the people what they asked for. I'm going to give them exactly what they asked for. And then they'll regret it. God himself regretted it. We read that. Now, does that mean God made a mistake? No, folks, God makes no mistakes. It means that God gave them what they asked for and they'd learn from it. God used the leader to chasten the people. God used the leader to discipline the people. Samuel did it. Samuel was unafraid to confront Saul about his disobedience in offering a sacrifice himself instead of waiting for Samuel in chapter 13 chapter 13 verse 11 first Samuel 13 verse 11 Samuel comes to Saul after Saul unwittingly offers a sacrifice himself before he went into battle and Samuel says what have you done I mean he asked incredulously Saul what have you done you know what Saul does? Once again, he throws everybody else under the bus. He blames everybody else. He excuses. He rationalizes. And Samuel was unafraid to confront Saul about his disobedience in sparing the Amalekites and, his cho- and their choice goats. What does Saul do? He lies. He blames. He excuses. And he rationalizes. But rationalized, folks, is just rational lies. That's all it is. What does Samuel do? Samuel says, bring me a gag. Gag, gag me. Samuel says, bring me the Amalekite king. They brought the king to Samuel, and Samuel 
pulls out his sword and he says to the Amalekite king, just as your sword has made many women childless, so my sword will make your mother childless and chops him up in little pieces. Man, Samuel, what a man of courage. Saul, what a leader of cowardice. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 24. Saul said to Samuel, after Saul's disobedience with the Amalekites, Saul says, I have sinned. I have indeed transgressed the command of the Lord and your words because I feared the people and listened to their voice. Now, folks, here's a supposed man of God. First king of Israel who says, I was afraid, but I was afraid of the people, and I listened to their voice. Finally, Saul speaks the truth. <laughs> Finally, he tells the truth, spoken like a true politician. I had to listen to the people. Man, the people write my check. Jot it down this morning before we leave. Jot this down. Samuel was a God pleaser. Saul was a man pleaser. A man pleaser. When we folks care more about people's opinion of us than God's favor, we are in trouble. So God rejected Saul and his leadership. And when you see leadership like this, you'll reject it too. I mean, you may not go find another job, but you will not respect that Saul's leadership. And let me tell you something. I hate to fly so close to the corner and make it so personal, but folks, I've told you before, I'm just preaching to me. You get to listen in too. When your leadership is like this, mom, dad, principal, pastor, plumber, president, when your leadership is like this, it will be rejected too. Now let me warn you, we're going to go to Sunday school. That's not the warning. Sunday school is a good place to go, all right? <laughs> let me just warn you what not to do with this message. First thing you're going to do with this message is run out of here and try and apply it to the White House or the State House or the Field House or the courthouse or the schoolhouse. You need to apply this message to your house. And I need to apply this message to my house. For 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30, we read it in our study of the story, says, for those who honor me, God says, those leaders who honor me, 
I will honor. But those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. That's the way you get respect, gang. As a leader. God bless you to follow him, the king. Jesus, our true king. And God bless you to lead on for the king eternal. Jesus Christ, the Lord. Heads are bowed and eyes closed. Father, would you by your Holy Spirit apply this morning's message to our hearts. Lord, I don't want to make anybody mad, glad, or sad, but I pray that you would use the Word of God to make us mad or glad or sad, whatever's appropriate, Lord, in our hearts. May our lives, Lord, in Jesus' name, come into alignment with your truth and with your word. Expose, Lord, the fake in us and in the leaders that we choose and follow and affirm, oh God, the good qualities of leadership that we might be it and follow it. In Jesus' name we pray.